I think part of what I had to convince people was that I'm not just a media person. I did a lot of other things at MLB, <laughs> but at the same time, I, that, that baseball experience working with Commissioner Manfred in the departments that he let me oversee just really created like a new portfolio for me. Most influential people in the sport, talking about the sport globally. This time on Big Noon Conversations, I talk with the new commissioner of the Big Ten Conference, Tony Petiti. All right, we welcome the new Big Ten Commissioner, Tony Petiti. Thank you so much you, for joining Joe. us, yeah, man. Good to be uh, here, thank you. Absolutely, um, and we broke out the good scenery here for you. Yeah, you this know, is pretty good. A couple right months here. on the job, uh, we thought we'd give you the good background. I appreciate that. Um, that's where I'll start. You know, this this is this is brand new. You know, for for you, mm -hmm. uh, Commissioner of the Big Ten, and it is a legacy position. There's no doubt. Uh, I'll just start by asking you, like, what drew you to the position, you know, getting, I don't want to say back into it, but, you know, into this role. What What is it about this role that intrigued you? Yeah, when I got the first call uh, from the search firm that was working on this to see if I had some interest, I was sort of surprised to get the call um, and at the same time really intrigued by it. And, you know, I felt like it was a long shot when you're talking about a job, you know, as, as big as this one with the type of people that would come forward to, to be interested um, but I started doing the work, like just really like, what would this job be? And that's what they asked me to do. I think they felt good about what my background was and the experiences I had, but I'd been away from college sports for a little bit, yeah. even though I'd worked on it a lot in the, you know, the beginning part of my career. So that was sort of the, the combination of all those things. And then when I started doing the preparation, I was really, really loved it actually. You know, I spent time talking to people that were you know, in and around college athletics, people that I trusted that I was close to back in the day. And, you know, and, and looking at the challenges and the opportunity and then just being associated with something as important as a Big Ten. Sure. It's really hard not to give it my you know, full effort. And that's what I did. I sort of treated it like, let me just go all in and see what happens. And if I end up being the right person, that'll be great. If not, it was, it was worth all the preparation. What's interesting is like, I, I think that everybody loves, you know, different aspects of, of intercollegiate athletics. And I, you know, for me, it's obviously specific to, to college football. Mm -hmm. There's so many things I love about college football, and even some of the challenges, you know, I think are amazing opportunities that we're going to face, and we'll, sh we're, we'll mm -hmm. get into that over the course of our conversation. But I'm interested, during your work, you know, you're prepping, you're, you're talking with people, was there anything specifically that just drew you, like, man, you know, this, I do, I picture myself loving this about specifically college football? Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. Like, first, it's just... And having been an MLB and you know being part of an organization where you're dealing with multiple teams, multiple mm -hmm. owners, I felt there was a lot of an analogies to what the Big Ten does for its member institutions. Sure. So I felt good about the everyday and just you know being involved in college athletics and what it means for student athletes. But then the other part of it to be really when I started thinking about it, like it's such an important crossroads and the challenges yeah. are so big. And when you're at an organization that's really important, that means a lot to a lot of people, that's at a point in time where you can have a, real, a meaningful impact to try to create change and lasting tradition and build on everything great before, like that's, that's pretty exciting. It's hard to, to not get excited about that type of an opportunity. And it was sort of that, that moment when I realized like, hey, it's not just running the league every day. These are, these are sort of really big issues that are gonna totally. shape the future. And we gotta preserve what's great about college athletics for student athletes. I just felt like I really wanted to be a part of that. And I was hoping in some way, you know, and hopefully, you know, over time I'll be able to contribute in a meaningful way as whatever the next future is. I, I mean, personally, I think that your position, maybe one other, maybe two other in the entire sport are 
real legacy positions, mm -hmm. not just for you personally, but I'm talking about the entire sport. Mm -hmm. Because of the crossroads of some of the issues uh, that we'll talk about, you know, the, the opportunity to shape those. Mm -hmm. Is there one that you're really eager to help shape? Yeah, I, I think it's just the, the idea that, you know, the balance of academics and athletics and what's been so valuable for so many, I'm sure for your experience, for mine at a much lower level than you played at, but it meant a lot to me. Sure. And it opened a lot of doors, even though it was Division Three baseball. It still was probably among the most meaningful things I've ever done in my life in terms of setting me up. So I, I really feel a value in that. So I think it's that model and just trying to, to preserve what's been really important for everybody. It does not mean that things aren't changing for student athletes, that benefits don't change over time. Of mm -hmm. course they do. But I do think at its core, what, what's at the core of it is so important and so valuable that we have to, we have to remember that and try to do things to protect that. Um, I'm, I'm always interested in like when you talk with someone that's going into a big position mm -hmm. um, and obviously like you, the president always has like the first hundred days, this is what I'm going to do in office. And you're in a, in a lot of ways in a position like that for this conference and in some ways like that for the sport. Um, are there things, and let's start with, I don't want to ask you too big of a question, specifically internal for the conference that you really want to focus on and nail in the first hundred days? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think the first thing is just the staffing and how the conference office interacts with the member institutions, making sure that, that, that we're running on all cylinders, that we're best in class, that the conference office is doing what the members need, that we have that relationship of trust and you know, the athletic directors, SWAs, faculty reps, and of course the presidents and chancellors that I work for, that we're all on the same page and you know, working hard and there's total confidence in what we're doing at the conference level. And so getting that right early on was really important and looking at the functions and where we need to be stronger, what the challenges are, and making sure you, we have the best athletes in every position like mm -hmm. you would on any team. Sure. So I think that's the way I looked at it. First is that internal you know, setting it up because the more that we have great depth there and strength, the, the more it'll free me up and senior staff to, to deal with some of the bigger issues, right? right. So you gotta do the, the, the basics. And look, we have USC and UCLA coming in. That's, gonna, that's a new challenge for staff and we gotta make sure that we're ready to do that in the best way. Well, I mean, that's, that's just one of the, you know, yeah. I, and I don't, I'm not gonna, list them all, but you've got two new schools coming on. Oh, by the way, they're thousands of miles away mm -hmm. in, in Los Angeles in a different market, USC and UCLA. You've got a, a brand new schedule format mm -hmm. about to drop. You're onboarding what is, can only be considered the, the biggest media rights partnership mm -hmm. in the history of intercollegiate athletics, not just from a monetary standpoint, but also from a logistics standpoint, you're gonna have three networks. No one's ever had that right. before. These are all the issues that you're gonna be knee deep in internally. How has your history as a television executive, MLB Network, CBS, ABC, mm -hmm. gonna help you through those issues? Yeah, I think you know, in terms of leading organizations and trying to react, I think everything that you pointed out, while it's a challenge, it's also an incredible opportunity, totally. right? So the positive yeah. is the other side. You think about, hey, these are challenges. It's going to take a lot of work and a lot of creative and new thinking. But at the same time, you know, the opportunity is just through the roof in terms of what we can accomplish if we do these things well. And I'm, and I'm confident that we will. Uh, you know, I think I, I really point to the MLB experience because I think a lot of what I learned there in terms of like, you know, at MLB, 30 owners, 30 team presidents, 30 GMs, 30 baseball ops, 30 ticketing staffs, and you're working collectively in the central office to, to make sure all those things are best for everybody. And the balance between, you know, teams that look very different that have to compete with each sure. other every day. So it's different just, markets, right, revenue. Same, yeah. So yeah. same thing here. So when you look at that, 
I think that's that's part of that. So when I look at all those challenges together, I see you know I see tremendous opportunity. My own experience, I think, really at on the MLB level, when I was fortunate to do not only media but do the other pieces of a job that I had that I touched upon many departments away from media. That was probably the most valuable experience for me in trying to expanding out and give me hopefully the right set of skills to do yeah. this. But um, and I think that was part of the process. Look to be. To be clear, I, I think part of what I had to convince people was that I'm not just a media person. I did a lot of other things <laughs> in MLB, and so. But you, know, you look at it, like, that's yeah. I can do other things, yeah, like, yeah. And, but like they see that, and that comes through the resume. And I'm proud of that. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I loved every second of our of the business that you were in that we were yeah. in together. I, I love it. But at the same time, I, that that baseball experience working with Commissioner Manfred in the departments that he let me oversee just really created like a new portfolio for me. I'm, I'm interested from your perspective. Um, Everyone's been talking about, you know, like the SEC unveiled their league schedule and, and the Big Ten did something similar. And you started to see like, OK, this is the direction people are going to go in order to tr try to drive a lot of different things. Success, more valuable inventory, you know, all these things that are important for the relationship between the conference and, and the network side, you know, whether it's Fox or CBS or, or NBC. Uh, when, when you look at the schedule that you guys have settled upon, how much of it was to try to drive the most valuable inventory and the most competitive games, you know, into valuable time slots and network? Yeah, look, the, there's no doubt that the media drives a lot of that in terms of, you know, creating value and, and generating the, the value in the contract that we that we have. And, and that decision predates me to go to nine conference games, which you're referring to. Yeah. But I will say it's doing something else that's really important. When you when you want to be a league, I think, you know, being cohesive, seeing teams as frequently as you can see them. And that's the great thing about the format that was chosen and it's going to be implemented is that, you know, in every two years you'll see everybody. And if you come to a Big Ten campus in four years, you'll play home and away against everybody. And I think that repetition you know, is important when you're integrating USC and UCLA to really connect everybody to start seeing yeah. teams more frequently. I think it makes it's better. Look, and the quality uh, of those conference games is great, and so it's going to be challenging. And I think, but what, what comes with that is you know making the case down the road and things like the CFP that our schedule, you know, there's 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 a gauntlet that our teams have to sure. go through, and that should be valuable when you're evaluating the performance of any one Big Ten team to to participate as an at-large team in the CFP. There's there's a narrative. Um, surrounding the sport and your colleagues and I sat with Greg Sankey whom I respect you know to no end and he's become a great friend of mine um, and he talks about the gauntlet that is the SEC mm -hmm. and I certainly agree with him to a certain extent what I don't think has has been afforded the Big Ten in particular is that same type of narrative um, that's something that that I feel like should be changing um, do you feel that way as well? And in particular, entering an era in which you're competing for playoff spots in an expanded playoff, you know, and, and so you're trying to drive um, success just as much as, as any other conference. How can the Big Ten continue to compete with that narrative and, and hopefully you know, break through in that mold. Yeah, I think one of the most important things is what you alluded to earlier was the network contracts, having three broadcast partners on Saturday. So, you know, this is a transition year for CBS. They'll have some SEC and some Big Ten, and the next year just Big Ten, you know, mainly at 3.30. So when you look at, you know, that footprint and what the Big Ten is going to have on a Saturday and the amount of fans they're going to reach and the national exposure, I, I, I think it's a game-changing type sure. of moment. I mean, look, these are the Big Ten's powerful brands, great, you know, rich history. 
Um, a lot of the competitive things are cyclical, but in, but in general, I think this new format and the way you know, we're going to be programmed across these three really big, powerful networks is going to be a huge advantage for us, and it's going to help you know, only do one thing and raise the profile. So I'm really confident that you know, we have the right partners going forward to help do that. I think we have the you know, great coaches and the student athletes. So it's, it's all going to come together, and I'm really excited about you know, seeing that take place. This year is kind of a bridge year, mm -hmm. right? SC and UCLA don't come in until the following season, mm -hmm. but we'll get there fully in 24-25. It'll be the second year of the new configuration on TV. And you know, I think you know, if you're a Big Ten fan, I think you're going to love what you see you know, in this new format. Okay, so that's, that's just a small part of what you're going to tackle internally. All right, now we go to the external things, and those are monumental right mm -hmm. now in our sport, as you know, you know, and, and that's probably what drew you to this, because it's challenging, mm -hmm. there's no doubt. And, and between yourself and the other A5 commissioners, um, there's a lot of work to be done, uh, certainly, on, on large-scale issues, um, to, to list them off, you know, NIL, transfer portal, guardrails around those. What does the postseason really look like, mm -hmm. in, in particular in 26 and beyond? when it really changes, right? We're gonna expand, but when it really becomes something that we can shape, um, you know, all the people in college football, what does that look like? What does the calendar look like for coaches? What are all these things? That, mm -hmm. So when you sit there and listen, that can be like a fire hose to anybody, certainly a new commissioner who's trying to onboard all the things that you were talking about internally. Take me through maybe like your first 100 days and how you want to position yourself and the conference within the national conversation of those issues that we deal with. Yeah, I think the first thing you do is you start with relationships, right? I need to build those relationships with the other A5 commissioners and with the NCAA office with Charlie Baker as well. So I think a big part of the first, you know, 60, 75 days so far for me is doing just that, spending time. And they've been great as a group, spent a lot of time with each of them individually and together. And I think you know, to do and, and, and address some of the issues that you're alluding to, we need to do that collectively, right? These are, these are really big uh, you know, issues that are, that are challenges that are going to take collaboration to address. Like no conference is big enough to do this by themselves. It doesn't mean that you can't take leadership positions. Of course you can. Um, and, and we will do that at the Big Ten, but at the same time, we're going to need to collaborate and work together and figure out where the best ideas are coming coming from. Because you can't, you know, one conference. Look, it's a really unique thing. Like an MLB, it's one organization. The yeah. NFL is one organization. Yeah. All the teams are collectively it's nimble, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just one entity that you know that deals with all these issues. Here, we've got that we all compete to, against each other. Yeah. We have different media contracts, different different a lot of differences. But at the core, we're doing the same thing and we're competing together, so we've got to come together on those issues that impact all of us. See, I think that's going to be your most difficult task, candidly, because in this sport, we operate in silos. Mm -hmm. and, and that's just the way it's built, right? You know, like, and I, and I would tell Greg the same thing and Brett the same thing, Brett Yormark, Big 12 Commissioner, or George Kolovkov, Pac-12, or Jim Phillips in the ACC, mm -hmm. I'll tell you the same thing, it's like, at some point, you know, when the rubber meets the road, you work for the Big Ten presidents. Correct. Greg works for the SEC presidents. Mm -hmm. And I think what has been missing in college football is the collaboration, is an overarching view of the sport. This goal of yours to, to work cohesively mm -hmm. to make the sport better, do you think you can do it? I think the first thing I'll say is that I think everybody agrees that we need to do it. So that's the first step in trying to come together, right? You have getting to, them out of the silo, you that's gotta, the you, tough part. You gotta understand you need to do it. And I, and I feel really confident that the, the, the other A5, they really feel like we need to do this together. So there's no doubt about that. I, I feel it early on. I'm assuming it'll continue and only grow in terms of spending more time together. So I think that's there. 
I think, again, you got to go back and figure out like what things you do that are, it's, it's, it's highly competitive, obviously on the field and, you know, wins and all that, that matter the most. But at the same time, you know, we need one ecosystem that we all can thrive in together because we do compete in that system. So it's got to be fair across for everybody. And so I feel I'm just going to be optimistic that we can sure. that we can work together. Now, optimistic about working together versus, you know, what kind of results you can get are two different things. But, you know, I feel good that there's a real belief that working together is, is something that we have to do. And listen, I don't think anyone really understands Transfer Portal and NIL because it's, you know, it's so new and so, so malleable. But what I do think people understand, you in particular, because of your history, I mean, you were involved in the initial BCS, right? I mean, like you, you've been in both sides of, of made-for-TV events, right? You know, post-seasons and different types of deals. So the expanded playoff, I think that that's the, the, the moment, the point where everyone can say, okay, we understand what's best for the sport overall. Are, do, you feel like, do you feel like you can get a position of leadership, even though you're you know, two months into your commissionership with the Big Ten, in order to lead something like that, a real collaborative effort that, that forms a postseason that's better for all of college football? Yeah, it's a really insightful question. I think because I, I think about exactly that a lot. Where you're new, but you're representing an organization that's got in, you know incredible importance and weight and power, and, like let's face and influence, it, right? I right? Mean, the so, SEC and the and Big Ten the, have the most influence, right? And that's the way I, I have to like. You can't let the fact that you're new take away from the entity that you're representing. That's part of the challenge of there. And so it really is incumbent on me to get up to speed and be, you know, ready to, to lead in that room as quickly as possible, and hopefully. You know, that's the process is underway already. I will say um, that I see in the meetings I've been in on the CFP, I see really great collaboration. doesn't mean that the interests are all always aligned, right? <laughs> ultimately, right? Because, you know, you're, again, it's pretty competitive. But I do, I do see it. And I, and I think what you're talking about is exactly right. Like, you know, being new, but at the same time, understanding who we represent and how important that and influential that organization is when you're talking about the Big Ten. So, you know, I, I think that's the way I have to carry myself yeah. right despite how new I am can you give us an example because I know I'm sure you have many of of like your past involvements involvements from the television side mm -hmm. of creating you know things like the BCS or anything can, can you remember a relationship or or a moment that that was profound not only on the sport but on you yeah I think it goes back to, I think the BCS is a great place to sort of go back and, and think about that question you know for me um, you know, when we were doing the BCS, so we weren't even calling it the BCS when we were working on it. I'm not sure what we were calling it. It was just the bowl project, basically, right. at ABC. So, you know, we had to try to figure out a way to get the Big Ten and the Pac-10 at the time to leave the Rose Bowl. And that was not easy. And you got some, you know, some young guy from New York telling the Big Ten and the Pac-10 they need to leave the Rose Bowl. So it wasn't, you know, it, was, it took a little bit of time. But the one thing that was really interesting about the process was we had lost the SEC to CBS and ABC. And Commissioner Kramer was, you know, drove that decision to leave a CFA and get a national deal at CBS with the Big East at the time. Yes. They were sharing CBS at 3.30. Um, but despite that, we knew that we had some momentum with the Pac-10, the Big Ten, on the BCS, like considering actually leaving the Rose Bowl. And so internally, we're trying to figure out, like, okay, who's going to drive it for the remaining conferences that aren't the Big Ten, Pac-10? And we just felt that, that Commissioner Kramer, that Roy was the best person to do it. Interesting. And that was maybe counterintuitive because we had a very painful split. It hurt to lose the SEC to CBS. But within a matter of months, we were right back with them in Atlanta saying, and hey, you know, Roy, like, we need to, we have this thing. We actually have 
the Big Ten, the Pac-10, and the Rose Bowl considering something different. We need your help. What do you think of this? And, you know, maybe if it was about personalities and other things, you would have not reached out to Roy. You would have gone somewhere else. But we knew that, that the SEC was the most important place to start with everybody else. And we knew that Roy, you know, was always thinking about the big picture. I just knew him well enough, and my boss did, that he was going to be about what maybe what was best. And so we started with Roy, which probably surprised a lot of people given what had just happened. So I think the, you know, the valuable lesson is that you, are, you learn at a young age that when you're making deals, it's not personal. People are charged. They have responsibilities. They sure. do what's best for those organizations. You may lose here. But in a short amount of time, we were right back in front of him doing the biggest deal in college football postseason. He, he was the main guy driving it yep. with me. Like, it was amazing. And, you know, we had a great friendship through all of it. And, uh, I, you know, I just I, I like when something like that happens. You know, it's just totally rewarding and it's unexpected. But at the same time, you know, it just shows you that, you know, the power of a good idea and, and not being, you know, being bold enough to push it and just go to the people that can help you regardless, right? It's fascinating to hear that story because, you know, to me, it's so, and I say this all the time, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Like there's, we're always facing similar issues. Like things have, and, and to some extent, we're in a s similar boat, not specific to the mm -hmm. Pac-10 and the mm -hmm. Big 10 having to leave the Rose Bowl. But now all of a sudden there is a strain between bowls and what a postseason could look like, right? I mean, that's just the long and the short of it. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows it. There is a strain right now between what is the postseason and what is the relationship with bull partners. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you've thought a lot about, or is that something that that do you think is going to be, you know, ironed out down the road? I, look, I think our coaches, uh, you know, administrators would tell you that the bulls are still incredibly important in the ecosystem, and we should be doing things to try to make sure that that system is preserved around this expanded playoff. It doesn't mean it won't be different. It doesn't mean it might look slightly different. But at the end of the day, I think there's enough opportunities, enough good football teams, and there's enough interest for people still want to watch at that time of year. So I think those things will drive it. Um, you know, it has evolved a lot over the years, um, whether there are other conference tie-ins and how you create matchups around it and, you know, who survives going forward and how many, you know, time will tell all of that. But there's real interest, I can tell you from the Big Ten's perspective, to support that system as hard as we can and to make them successful. Because look, it's done by volunteers and these markets, not an easy undertaking. People no. give up their time to provide opportunities to student athletes. It's a pretty remarkable thing what happens. And you know, you've experienced yes. it. Like when you see how much pride there is when you go to a game, regardless of you know how big the game actually is in terms of its, its profile, it takes a lot of work and there's a lot of dedicated people. So there's great value in that, you know, and you hate to lose that. Not only the reward for the players, but also the development of the program, you know, with the extra mm -hmm. practices. There's so much that I love about the bowl system. And yet I know, at least deep in my heart, and, and I'm not saying that you have to answer this. This is just a, a, my opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't think the bowls can live in the, in the playoff. Not, not in any real way. And, and the reason I feel that way is because in order to protect the regular season, which I think is really important in mm -hmm. college football, is we have to incentivize the best teams to continue to play hard throughout the end of the regular season, which means buys and home games. You know, and bringing some of that postseason, the expanded playoff to campus, I think is really vital moving forward. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. You don't have to tell me it is or is, it isn't. But that's where the strain comes in. You know, what happens to those bulls that that maybe don't fall in there? So that's something that I'm I'm 
very interested in. Yeah, the one point I, I, I'll pick up on there is just the importance of the regular season. I think, you know, one of the great things about the BCS, and I, it was probably unintended, it really made these regular season matchups do or die because sure. you were just funneling down to two teams in the BCS era yes. that had a chance to play for the national championship, even with the four. It's still really difficult. Like every loss, you know, you're, yes. and that creates just so much interest in the regular season. You have matchups that could happen early in the season, whether they're non-conference games, late in the season matchups. Can you get in with two? Can you get in with one? Do you have to go undefeated? Yeah. No, I mean, it just creates tremendous interest, and you don't want to, you know, it, it's just different. And so that, I think 12 will definitely preserve that and have had that value. Maybe just more teams will be in the mix and actually expand it. But that's just that kind of like art in terms of balancing your regular season with your postseason. I think 12 will do that, but that's where college football has really benefited from the BCS to the four is just the how, how important those regular season games are. They're do or die. And, and maintaining that for the top end, you know, while also, because we did this whole, uh, on the show, and, and all of uh, our listeners will know this, down the stretch last year, I said, okay, who's in it for the four team? And it was like, well, there's really seven teams mm -hmm. still in it that can mm -hmm. make it. All right, who would still be in it with a chance in a, an expanded 12 team? It was 31 at one point, you know, with a couple weeks left. And I thought to myself, man, engaging fan bases on that scale is going to be really important. Mm -hmm. But the, the challenge will be to maintain the importance for the top four, the top five, that know that they're gonna be in there and how do you incentivize them in their yeah. conference championship? Because your conference championship game needs to be valuable. Correct. Yeah, you know, you're playing, you know, in the format with 12, you're theoretically play, playing for a bye if you win the conference championship and then, you know, getting in whether you, you know, where you fit, whether you win, whether you're the loser of that game and how you perform. So you're right. I think that's the key thing is that creating like tiers of incentive. Sure. Right. That's when a postseason format works really well when you reward certain performance. So that if you do X, you get this benefit. Right. And then if you're just below that, this is what you get. Right. And then the last guys are all fighting to get in. Right, and they're just happy to be in and having a chance to compete. So that's, a, that's like a perfect playoff system when you were able to accomplish all of that, yeah. right? You create tiered incentives. People fight through the regular season. They know what the prize is. They're fighting really hard. They gotta win a Big Ten championship, number one. That's really important to us, playing Absolutely. hard for the Big Ten championship. And then from there, that unlocks what you can do and giving you some advantage in the college football playoff system. And, and I've told all of you at home, uh, like if you attach that home game to it, uh, <laughs> you can see I'm lobbying here right in front of you. Last thing I'll, I'll ask you, and, and this one is just about how you're going to go about the fall, you know, because I'm sure you want to get to campuses. Are you going to wait till the season to do that, get to, to some games? Yeah, I have this ambitious plan that I'm going to try to get to every camp. Uh, the coaches will have me in the oh, summer. Oh, fall camp. Yeah, just oh, go yeah. try to go uh, in August and get out and watch practice and tour facilities yeah. when there's, you know, maybe a little more time and not getting in the way on a game day. Yeah. You know, when you're going to be walking on the field, people are going about their business. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that as a way of you know, getting on campus and seeing practices and meeting the coaches and staffs personally and seeing other coaches who happen to be on campus in the summer as well. So, you know, I'm excited about that. Then in the fall, just get to games, you know, not just football. Obviously, we've got a lot going on in the Big yeah. Ten. So, you know, I'll be across uh, many sports. But look, you know this, uh, you know, being on campus is really exciting and fun. Like they're, 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 they're great places to be. And then on game days, regardless of the sport, you see that excitement. I was, you know, I was really like, the best moment I've had so far is I got to watch Northwestern women win the National Lacrosse Championship. Yeah. You know, it was great to be able to root. You don't get a chance to do that too often That's in this right. job. So I put on my purple and black sneakers and I was ready to go. I love it. That's fantastic. Well, listen, um, as all, everyone knows, like we value, you know, the Big Ten relationship. Uh, really good to sit down with you. 
hopefully this is the first of many conversations so. as uh, we continue to try to shape college football, a sport we all love, uh, moving forward into yeah. the future. Thank Appreciate you your time, time Tony. Support.